Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sesploication Conflagration. Here are your two amazing hosts, Nate Bradford and Stephen Ronquillo. Guys, take it away! Woo! Yeah! Go back, Ah, <laughs> oh, We did have a rough month this month, didn't we? Yeah. Well, I've had to deal with uh, 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 medical procedures, but I'm fully vaccinated now. I got my second shot on Sunday, so I don't just talk the talk, I walk the walk. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. You got your first shot too, didn't you? No, I haven't had any of my shots yet. Um uh, I'm gonna go next week. They uh at my work they gave us uh I don't know, they gave us some paperwork that we have to get filled out for my 'cause you know, I work for the federal government, so they gave us some paperwork that we have to get filled out. So I, I'm just waiting for that paperwork to come across my desk to go get it, but but yeah, they've got plenty of shots here in town. Night because uh, they uh, did something for dirty and cheating for a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of. How did the pay gig go? Uh yeah, it it, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, the comedy clubs around here are just starting to open up a little bit at a time, so. Uh, most, most rooms that I've played this year since, since they started opening clubs up, um, they have, they usually only let about 20 or 30 people in and they're still doing all the social distancing. You can only have two people at a table. Everyone has to wear a mask. Even the comedians have to wear a mask until, uh, until you go up on stage, you can take your mask off when you're on stage. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're still, they're still doing they're being safe about it, but yeah, last night's show was pretty good. Uh, except I got lost on the way home. I, my, uh, my phone died, so I didn't have my GPS. So I just had to try to remember how to get home. And, um, I'm not really good at that kind of shit. <laughs> I, I ended up driving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Especially since you drive impaired. <laughs> I actually no. That's not true. When I when I perform stand-up comedy, I actually stay sober because it's important to me to to uh to be able to perform at the top of my game so I can get booked on more shows. So I actually don't drive impaired when I when I'm comedy. Now, that's not to say that I don't ever drive impaired. That 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 would be a straight up lie, but yeah, uh no, I, I was actually I was uh, I had, had one beer. Officer, he got uh, yeah. <laughs> And seriously, the past three weeks I've been sick. We've had trouble with the. No, nope, I, I had I had one beer after the show, issues. but that didn't that. Yeah, we promised to have the guest on soon. Speaking of guests, we got a decent little lineup. Well, I got get my lineup scheduled in the future. There's uh, next Sunday. It's going to be. Uh, well, the annual semi-biannual uh, drive-in uh, Monsterama show. 
We're going to be talking about that. Man, you would love to go because they got – I would love to go. They got a pretty good lineup. Here's just the first night. Uh, it's going to open with sleepaway camp. Then the Slumber Party Massacre, Pieces, and then Edge of the Axe. How's that sound? Are you there? Yeah, welcome back. But as I was saying, uh, yeah, I w- uh, that's what I was asking you about. I I could hear you, but for some reason you couldn't hear me, and all of a sudden my computer just said unmuted. I didn't mute the phone call. I don't know why it muted itself, but I don't know. This new program that I'm using with my new uh, podcast setup has a habit of kicking me off like every 10 minutes, and I can't figure out why. Yeah. But anyway, so I heard the list of the movies. I heard the list of the movies. So what were you saying about them? This is the first night. What would you think? How that lineup sound to you was for the first night? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So you're talking about a festival? Yeah, it's a it's a drive it's a in festival. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like fun to me. Yeah. I like I said, I only heard you. I only heard the movies that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, and the second night, I forget the first one, but it's going to be, the closing three are uh, uh, The Howling, American Werewolf in London, and Mausoleum. Right. Now, now here's a, here's a, here's a controversial uh, topic that we can discuss for a minute. I do not care for an American Werewolf in London. Never liked it. Nope. That's not controversial. You usually get fans of A or B, but never the twain. (laughs) Right, right. I don't know. I just never really liked it. Never really did it for me. I mean, I do appreciate the, you know, obviously it does have the amazing uh, werewolf transformation uh, effects. You know, that those were... Not only they not only were they amazing for the time, but they're still amazing if you look at it today. They hold yeah, up. Yeah, but, but the problem other, I have but, with yeah. American Werewolf is you don't get to see Werewolf for thirty seconds. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. right. But it does have some cool. Yeah. Not the, the it does have some cool monster effects, and uh, Griffin Dunn as a zombie is great. Yep. Yep. I don't and know. It's Bobby, one of those and movies. And the one with uh, Bobby Breezy and the demon boobies. <laughs> right. You know where she has like the two monster faces on each of her boobies? One on each of her boobies. Yeah, I do. I have not watched that movie for a long time, but I can tell you one thing. That uh, as a teenage boy watching that flick, uh, that uh, that image has definitely stuck with me my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we're going to have I'm going to have the guys from that on t- Sunday, the week before the show, and that's 
not this Sunday, I think, but next Sunday. Right. Or it's this Sunday. I forget. I'll have to check times again. But, yeah. And, of course, on May the 1st, we're going to have the annual Sergeant Howie Memorial Show. All right. Well, why don't you tell the folks at home what it's all about? I I do it every year. It's a tribute to the fact that, well, you know a movie it's a tribute. It's about. I know, but I'm saying not everyone listens to the show every year, so that's why. why. Because if you have the first edition of the, The Wicker Man, if you have a first edition of the novel, which I used to have, Robin Hardy went into such detail with the movie that he actually has a timeline in the book of when Howie arrives in the island, what happens after the movie. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and, of course, we're going to have your guest who's coming up soon. We'll get to him before. And tell us a little bit about him. All right. Well, uh, so uh, Mikey, he's a he's an underground filmmaker uh, from Oklahoma, and uh, I I seriously had never heard of him before. I just read an article about him on the internet. Uh, he's a young guy, and he has made literally dozens of movies in a very short period of time. Um, he comes from that. Uh, I always bring this up you know, one of the first interviews I ever read with Robert Rodriguez is he said, if you're a struggling filmmaker, but you've got a camera and you've got friends and family who are willing to act in a movie and you've got a turtle and a guitar, then you know, you've got your friends, your family, your turtle, your guitar, all that shit's going in the movie. And that's, that's what Mikey's like. He, he's got that yeah, same kind of attitude where have the guitar until from dusk till dawn. And why did he have the guitar? Because that's the first time where they were setting up shots. And he was right. bored shitless. And he was just sitting there going, I'm going crazy. I can't stand this. I'm used to having like El Mariachi and Desperado. I went shot, 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 machine gun style. Oh, God, I'm so bored. You go to crew crazy. <laughs> so finally, a flop guy walked up to him with a guitar and said, I'm sick of your shit. Here, fuck with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, uh, I, think Mikey, I think Mikey will be a really fun guest. I, like I said, he's a young guy, and he's made a ton of movies. Um, most of them, he will admit that most of them uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth. We'll talk to him when he's on the show, but uh, I, I think uh, a lot of them he says were kind of, he, he says that a lot of them were just kind of test runs just to see if he could make a movie. But uh, yeah, he has a very strange style. It's, uh, it's like somewhere between David Lynch and John Waters with his own, uh, with his own sensibilities sprinkled in. Uh, he's a bizarre filmmaker, but I, he's, he seems I've never talked to him in person. I've, I've emailed him back and forth and I've read a bunch of articles about him and I've watched some, 
some of his films that I've been able to download off of torrent sites and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, so yeah, we'll talk to him and find out what, what he thinks about, you know, life, the universe and everything, you know? Yeah. And I got stimulus the other day. So I ordered me, well, went on the small DVD birds. It's one of those. Oh, yeah? like, I did a lot of damage. I'm like, no, I tried not to. So I only didn't spend that much. I got uh, three of the drive-in, two of the drive-in delirium Blu-rays, and Aspenasi trailer comp. And together they're one seven hours, the other six, six, seven, thirteen hours worth of trailers. So that'll oh. me up for a while. And yeah, I've got I, what most some people call. Go ahead, Close. You want to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I, I love I love any, I love those trailer compilation DVDs. I don't know what it is about those. Maybe it's just because as I get older, I just have such a short attention span, which is funny to say, because like you just said, I can sit down and watch three hours of movie trailers and not get bored. But if I try to sit down and watch a three-hour movie, I'm like, eh, this better be fucking good. Well, if you, most of the ones, the comps that are out there and the ones that, you notice most of them don't go past 89. That's because that's when they stop making many movies. I have, there's so many movies that, I, I look at the trailer and I'm like, yeah, that looks so cool. I can remember how cool it was. Why did I watch that? And then you watch it and you're like, this movie, shit, why did I watch it? Oh, yeah, they had great <laughs> trailers. Yeah, like the 70s and 80s especially, they made some really amazing trailers. and uh, And it was different, you know. The one thing that I notice now, and I know a lot of film fans have noticed this too, is that uh, a lot of movie trailers nowadays, they try to uh, use uh, deleted scenes as part of the trailer. And so, or film you know, and I, just for the trailer, consider cheating. Yeah, I never really, I never thought about that. I, I always just thought it was like cutting room floor stuff that they were like, well, it's not good enough for the movie, but if we put it in the trailer, it might put some asses in the seats. Well, do you remember uh, Kevin Costner, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, that badass scene in it where he shoots through the arrow? Yep. That was shot just for the trailer, and people liked it so much that they had they wrote a new scene and put it in the movie. Huh. I did not know that. But or they edit the trailer to, be- to make you think to throw you off, like uh, spoilers. If you haven't seen Sleepaway Camp yet and watching, listening to this show, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> but yeah, where they show Angela and uh, they show the shot of the killer raising the knife from the scene where the girl gets stabbed in the shower. Then it shows Angela go back, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, and 
I've noticed that uh, it seems to it seems to have kind of jumped the shark at this point. Like, um, I it does feel like there was a time um, where you know certain directors, especially, were trying to, and I'm talking about beyond like the six the the 70s and 80s. It did seem like there was a period of time where directors were trying to make more uh, short films that as, as trailers, like they were trying to piece together a short film. Now it seems like almost every movie trailer is just so frenetic. It's like, there's no, there's no through line to most movie trailers nowadays. It's just a bunch of sporadic shots of things, even if it's not an action shut, movie, shut, 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 you know, shut, shut, shut. explosion, 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 action, action, action. Yeah, and I mean that's that's for any movie. It doesn't even have to be an action movie. It doesn't have to be a horror movie. It even you know, I mean, even comedy films. It's just like quick shot here, quick shot there, quick, 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 and you know, it's like at the end, you're just kind of like overwhelmed. You're not really quite sure what you what you saw. I don't. Yeah, think... they're, they're all cut in that family uh, guy style, where it's like go 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 go. Right. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying, though. It's like even myself, you know, being almost 50 years old. I mean, I used to have, you know, I used to be able to sit and read a 2000 page novel or watch a four hour movie without getting fidgety. But now it's like if, if you know, if if something doesn't entertain me within like five minutes, I'm like done. You know, I'm just like, yeah, I, oh, I, I do on. have a short no, attention span. No, it ain't that. no, you're not that way because we were. Because it's like Tarantino's four-hour new, four-hour movie. Oh, shit. We're there. <laughs> and you said yourself, you seen Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood twice in the same day. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. That, that's but, you know. Hours. But, but The problem is, is I, that know. they have four-hour movie sensibilities. But they don't have the talent or the way to keep the pacing going. Keep it going. Keep it going. That's true. And, you know, you know that that's, that's one thing that made me feel bad about The Irishman, because I do love me some Martin Scorsese. Not everything. No. I mean, obviously, his, you know, his career has been all over the map, but he is an amazing director. And I really wanted to love The Irishman. And I was ready to put in four hours for a Scorsese film that had, you know, Pesci and De Niro. And I was was ready to put in the, you know, I was ready to put in the, I was ready to put in the time and the effort. But in the end, I just found that movie boring. I didn't care for it. Oh, it drags so much in the middle. Once you realize where it's going. And then it takes another hour or so just to get there. And yeah. then after the big event in the movie happens, the movie still goes on for another 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah. I I, I don't know. Yeah, the pacing is just all over the place. It's Yeah, it's not – I don't know. It, it It could have done with a healthy dose of editing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, isn't uh, um, Scorsese's longtime editor 
um, what was her name? I, I want to say Schofield. Thelma Red. Uh, yeah. No, Thelma yeah, Tarantino's like, wasn't he? Uh, Tar- Tarantino's was uh, Shelley Menke. Yeah. Oh, well, he is a Thelma Rare, but yeah. Yeah, I, I thought, I don't know. For some if reason, I, I, I can't remember. But, yeah. We went into the Irishman expecting and wanting uh, good fellas. Or yes. at the least, casino. But what we got was yes. New York, New York. <laughs> well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was quite quite that far down the spiral, but yes, it, it definitely was, say, it was no, no good I'm not stuff. talking about down the spiral. I'm talking about pacing. Yeah. Because right. New York, New York is a very, 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 very slow paced movie. It's like all those motherfuckers that were complaining that, uh, what was it, uh, Shutter Island. Oh my God, that's so so fast, slow paced and boring. I'm like, you ain't seen New York, New York, have you? <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know the, the musical the, scene the funny... in New York, New York is good, but it just takes too goddamn long to get there. Well, that's what I was just about to say. Is that you know, for a musical, New York, New York is very slow paced. Yeah, the the musical numbers are amazing, but yeah, when you have to wait 20 minutes between every musical number, half an hour between every musical number, it yeah, it kind of it kind of sucks the energy out of it. Like, isn't that the whole point of a musical? It's supposed to be uh, even if it's a movie like you know Demon Barber of Fleet Street or whatever, even if it's a depressing or haunting or you know musical, yeah. the point is the, the music is supposed to bring the energy up no matter what, you know. Yeah, but Sweetie Todd's an opera more than a musical. Sure, but but you know, the the point remains valid yeah. that you know if if you're if it's a if if you, if the music is the cornerstone of your of your production, then whether it's you know like I said whether it's depressing or or uplifting, it should still be, you know, like you think of some uh, some plays, some musicals like. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar or Oliver, uh, there's very little or in God between sale, the musical numbers. Yeah, very little between the musical numbers. You know, they just move from musical number to musical number, you know, so. And I've always said at my funeral, I want Bye Bye Life from all that jazz to be played as they're carrying me out. <laughs> oh, yeah? Uh, you know, bye right. bye life. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, I'll I'll make a note of it in case uh, in case when you pass away, no one else is around that knows about that. I'll, I'll make sure I'll make sure it happens for you, brother. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, really. But just the sleeper, like it's four hours and slow. Yeah, but if you watch. The movie. He busts it up with these title cards, so you can take a break. They're just, you know, yeah. like chapter cards, like Tarantino does it, but it does give you breaks. You know, it's like, okay, I can stop here. 
Yeah, and that was actually suggested um, when the when the film first debuted. Uh, a lot of articles that were written, a lot of reviews of it that were written actually mentioned that, like, hey, when you see a certain title card, stop, take a break. Um, and and we've seen that technique. Uh, you know, speaking of Tarantino, we've seen that technique um, with the Netflix version of uh, The Hateful Eight. He broke it up into four different parts. It was an extended version of the film, but he did break it up chapter by chapter. So you can watch an hour and then yeah. go do something oh, else. Did you finally get to watch the extended version of The Hateful Eight? Yeah. What do you think of it? I don't know. I I don't think the added I don't think the additional stuff was really necessary. Like but I'm kind of a purist when it comes to that. Like I rarely watch the director's cut of anything. Like if, if I find a version of a movie that I like, there's a difference um, between a director's cut and an extended cut. Yeah. Like, uh, like we were joking. Well, we've talked about this before and this was there online, we were going to make it a subject of the show. It's like Blade Runner. I've got the Blu-ray box set. There's uh, the theatrical cut, the Japanese cut with all the gore added back in. Uh, The final cut, uh, the the director's cut, and the director's cut's right in the fucking middle. And the work print cut. And how many cuts is that? One, two, three, four, five. I think for Blade Runner, the only reason I prefer the director's cut is because it doesn't have the voiceover. Um, the narration, yeah. Yeah, The yeah. main reason and narration it, sucks is uh, Harrison Ford pissed on it on purpose. Yeah, well, as well he should have. I mean, this is one thing that drives me crazy. And, you know, uh, my wife can tell you this. I complain about it all the time. And she is not as passionate about film as I am, obviously. I mean, she has a life. So um, she is not as passionate about film as I am. But she has to listen to me rant and rave about things and, like, things like this in particular. Like, what? fucking voiceover if you're too stupid to figure out what's going on in the movie you're too fucking stupid to watch a movie God. <laughs> yeah i know yeah. all the hand holding <laughs> they want to do the studio <laughs> play for the lowest common denominator yeah especially when we're talking about movies like blade runner and just that whole era of filmmaking um, starting, I, I don't know how far back I would go, but at least with like 2001 and Alien yeah. and Blade Runner, you know, the studios were yeah. uh, were rolling the dice on, on science fiction because of the success yeah. of Star Wars. But these films were yeah. not anything like Star Wars, with the exception of possibly yeah. the visual, the visual effects. You know, it wasn't the same type of, yeah. you know, space, space pirates you know, Star Wars type of stuff. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, so. And, uh, and I think. 
Oh, it came out this week in the interview they did with Edward James almost that he improvised the best line, his best line in the whole movie. Yeah. Which is, you did a man's job, sir. But who is to know (laughs) who a man is? And, of course, what he says is he walked off. He said he improvised that, too, and Ridley kept it in, which is, it's a shame she won't live. But then again, who does? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, isn't it? The I, I mean, lines and pr- the best parts of dialogue and Blade Runner are all improv, like uh, Rutger Howard's speech as he's dying is all improv by him. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I was going to say Rutger Hauer's Tears in the Rain speech was uh, supposedly improvised. I mean, uh, or yeah, I obviously will never know, know the truth, but that's what they say. I mean, we weren't there, well, so we'll never know. Well, everyone says but... he did. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's in and over everyone in the United States said. There's not been one person who goes, ah, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It's funny to think about directors who are are really cool with uh, improvising. And I think some of them take it a little too far. You know, you hear about directors like Judd Apatow, who's like, yeah, you know, let's just do 30 takes and everyone just say whatever the fuck you want and I'll edit together the best of it later. I mean, that's a little too much. But then on the other end, you've got directors like Tarantino, who who's like, nope, Tarantino and Kevin Smith are the same way. They're like, nope, you got to read exactly what's written on the page. You know, I, I wrote it. This is what you got to say, you know. So I, nope, I think there's a, there's a happy... Tarantino, one of those that if you get what he wants on the page... Then he'll let you do a tape where you can say what you want. But then now, again, there's people like Malik who don't even work with a script. He's like, yeah. it's like, I mean, I've heard stories of him, of Malik on like Thin Red Line where he's like, where's my script? Motivation for this thing. Your motivation is you're getting shot at. You go from there. <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of a thin red line and director's cuts, um, I don't believe there ever has been a director's cut of thin red line. But uh, again, Hollywood. Yeah, I was going to say Hollywood rumor has it that he shot like hundreds of hours of film for, uh, you know, footage for that. And the end result, the film that he did release is quite lengthy in and of itself. But you know, it it goes back to the same type of stuff as, um, you know, the same type of ideas like Apocalypse Now. I mean, how many different versions of Apocalypse Now are we going to get before Coppola dies? I mean, we, we already got the Redux. The Redux. Yeah. We got you know? the, there's so. the, the Redux, uh, mm-hmm. the Final Cut, uh, the theatrical cut, well, in redo. Yeah. I've got the big box set. They had it for, right. it, was like, it was my birthday. They had it for 20 bucks. I'm like, hey, I'll take it. Right? Yeah. 
Well, you got to, I mean, it, if you're a film buff, you, you got to have a copy. Yes. Well, the final cut adds some of my favorite stuff back in, which is uh, they uh, still, uh, what's his name, Robert Duvall's surfboard, because uh, Martin Heath's character thinks he's an asshole, and they have to hide <laughs> out in there because uh, they're patrolling, looking for their... Just bring back the surfboard. We won't hurt you. We just want the <laughs> I just want my board back. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I love the freaking uh, theatrical cut. It was a good idea. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of, I mean, uh, you know, you have to consider the the difference between a theatrical cut and a director's cut. And it's like, you know, of course, you know, we're mired in this discussion right now in the film community yeah, because of Zach. The, the director's cut, ever since the advent of DVD, the, the, direct, the idea of a director's cut has been uh, beaten, raped, abused, and spit on so much that the term don't mean shit anymore. It's like, we're getting a director's cut of this movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Motherfucker just wanted to but, do another cut. Now it's on his director's cut. But we are currently mired in this discussion because of the Zack Snyder's director's cut of Justice League. That has been big news for months now. And it's and kind of putting really a spotlight. Yeah, it, it, it's not. Yeah, it, it, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that this has brought the discussion back into the spotlight about the difference between theatrical cuts and director's cuts. You know, um, because and we don't really think about it. For the studio, yeah. And once it came out that most directors cut on DVD or unrated cuts. Uh, was done just so that the studio could get their way. And they could say, oh, you'll get your cut on DVD. Oh, great. I wanted my movie to be seen as the way I wanted it on the big screen. Yeah. And you're right. It goes back to what we were saying earlier in the show, is that the studios are looking at the bottom line. They're just trying to make the money back that they invested in the movie. And for some reason... And obviously, this is a conversation that every film buff in the world has had a thousand times, you know. For some reason, studios think that they know better than the artists that they hire to make the films, you know. It's like, if you can't stand behind the artist. I always go back to my uh, favorite Frank Zappa quote, and I do flip it over to film, which is, Music was better when the music industry is run by the guys in the big cigars who didn't know shit about music. Because they wouldn't <laughs> try to fuck with your shit because they didn't know what the hell was going on. They were like, uh, maybe my kid will do that. If it wasn't for <laughs> those guys in the big cigars, we wouldn't have got stuff like Sun Ra, Frank Zappa, you know. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, though, uh, which feeds into that idea is that you know as well as I do that 
the big corporations have leaned into the youth market now. And that's a big thing. That's why we get so many PG-13 movies that we all know could have, you know, properties that could have been made into a rated R movie, but they're like, well, let's keep it PG-13. We'll sell more tickets or, you know, um, you, like you're saying back then when the, when the suits didn't know anything about what was hip and what was happening, they were just like, well, like you said, oh, maybe my kids will get into it. Maybe my kids' friends will get into it. So maybe we'll still make our money off of it. But nowadays, you know, the, the big industries, the big corporations specifically target an audience and the audience that they're looking for. Uh, yeah, and, and they this care has been going more on. about demos yeah. than uh, making quality products. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and they're looking for the biggest market that they can find. And, uh, you know, the biggest market that they have is, you know, teens and and, you know, teens and, and kids in their 20s that have disposable and the people, income. So their demographics, they have figured out, well, these people will go to this kind of movie. Yeah, exactly. That's when you get idiotic decisions like uh, the raid and the raid, the raid getting open the same week as fucking Captain America. <laughs> right? Yeah, let's split the fucking audience. Yeah. Or releasing Drive well, Angry on Super Bowl fucking weekend. Yeah, the audience for a movie about a guy coming back back from hell and nude women with machine guns shooting people and stuff for the people that are going to be watching the Super Bowl and will not go to a fucking movie on Super Bowl with me. <laughs> yeah. like, this is uh, Brian House's anniversary weekend. Really? You know, yeah. But well, why would you release Grindhouse on fucking Easter weekend? <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. That's funny. The audience, yeah, because the adult audience, going to Jack Snyder, the men were still going and seeing 300. So that audience is killed. And the teens who watch horror films, well, they were stuck at home with their families. Yeah, it, I, it's funny that you mentioned that because it did not even occur to me that this was the the weekend. But uh, yeah, I just watched Death Proof uh, a couple nights ago, just randomly out of the blue. I was looking through my DVD collection and decided to pop on. Oh, the internet went out here for a couple of days. That's what it was. The internet went out, so I was like, "Well, I Here's don't two. have access to any of my, you know." Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it was a nationwide thing, actually. We went out because of force of nature hours because some asshole squirrel or mouse or something chewed through the cable outside. Right. Yeah. I don't know. There there was some news article. Really? I knew Grindhouse was fucked. When I was sitting in a theater and Planet Terror in. I just fell backward at my computer seat. <laughs> Can you still hear me? 
I just fell backwards in my computer seat. That's why. <laughs> oh, are you there? Oh, I'm all right, people. I just fell backwards. As soon as I didn't hear the whole story. Well, what happened was, is I fell ass over TK on in there. Yeah, this, I mean, uh, Planet Parrot ended. And this idiot, and about four people got up when we were walking out. And then a couple more were like, well, I thought Kurt Russell was going to be in now. I'm like, oh, my God, no one gets what a double <laughs> feature is. <laughs> I'm uh, like, no one gets. Yeah, when you have to train people what the hell a double feature is, is it, re- it really had been that long since that. You know, well, you know, you and I talk about this all the time, too, because we're older and we grew up in the era when like, you know, when my parents took us to the drive in on a Friday night, we knew we were going to see two movies. I mean, that that was just it. You went to the drive in on a Friday night and it was always a double feature, you know, like. That was yeah. just that was just the way it was, you know. Like, I still remember the first oh. double feature. I, I, I still remember the first double feature I ever saw was Jaws and Porky's. <laughs> and, and 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 this will give you some insight into the type of childhood that I had. I watched Jaws. Right, they showed Jaws first. My parents didn't care yeah. at all. I watched Jaws. They they didn't give a shit. As soon as Jaws was over and Porky's was about to start, my mom was like, if you just want to cuddle up with your blanket and pillow and go to sleep now, that's fine. My mom didn't care that I watched Jaws. She, she didn't care about the, you know, the blood and the gore and, and, and all that shit. But, oh, she didn't want me to see the sex. Nope. She didn't want me to see the sex. <laughs> yeah, but... Let's be honest. Which one of the two movies had the better pussy shot? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Probably got to be Jaws. Yeah. Jaws had the better pussy shot. And that's one of the funnier stories about Jaws is that uh, Lucas heard, uh, was heard uh, Spielberg while he was getting out rushes. And all he heard was this, fuck, shit, fuck, another goddamn pussy shot. We're not making a fucking porn over here. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you have, when you have to tell people what a double feature is, you – and plus, if you ask me, they stacked them wrong. They should have had death proof first. Why? Because imagine watching Planet Terror after the after that fucking badass chase at the end of Death Proof, 
And then, boom, you go straight into Planet Terror. Yeah, I always thought that as well. I always thought that Planet Terror should have gone first. Um, but uh, I think... Planet Terror, what did go first? Death Proof should have gone first. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, Death Proof should have gone first. You're right. Um, that's what I meant to say. Uh, but I think, you know... When it comes to box office draw, T- Tarantino has a, you know, he's got a bigger name than Rodriguez. Uh, Rodriguez pumps out a lot more movies, but um, he doesn't have a signature style or, or look. You know, like, y- you know a Tarantino movie when you see it. Like, Robert Rodriguez is all over the map, which is great. I mean, he's a fun, he's fun. His movies are fun, but they're not, they, he doesn't have like a, a formula that you can follow to be like, Oh, that's a Robert Rodriguez movie. You know, if you didn't know it was one of his movies, you mm-hmm. might not know, you know? And another big problem with uh, death proof is that Tarantino didn't get it. If you got a part that says missing real, you know what that means? You don't have to film it. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, what he should have done, he's like, he's like, you know that? She's like, okay, I'll give you the lap dance. We're going there right now. And then cut back. Ooh, that was the sexiest thing I ever seen. Ah, did you hump him? You know. Mm-hmm. And we're like, right? we missed that. Because that's one of the funniest bits in Planet Terror. Yeah. Where it goes from just showing Rose McGowan's ass, and then, and then the fucking bar's on fire. Tom Savini's <laughs> dying. So's Michael Bean, and the shit's really hit the fan. And then they found that, and we've always learned that we never found out who L. Ray was. You know. Right. Now, Here's something that I've always tried to piece together. You might have some insight into this. Um, is I, now I know in in Planet Terror, um, uh, what's her name from Fergie? Fergie seems to be the girl that uh, that is is uh, that the doctor is texting. Right, they're gonna run away together. Yeah, she right? is. Yeah, her but, lesbian lover. Right, but who is the girl texting in in Death Proof? Who who is she texting? I mean, oh, I, remember, there's a reason why she looks a lot like uh, what's her name that's in the car. That's supposed to be her sister. Oh, all right. Yeah. I, uh, I guess I don't think I ever you, caught on to that. No. Well, if you look at the original script where it's more like Halloween with them getting to the lake house and Kurt Russell stalking and killing them with the car. Right. I wouldn't know because I don't read. It does like change the script again. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
But yeah, that's another one. So, we'll release. Yeah, why, when would you have released Grindhouse? You mean like the date? Like if I had if I had to choose like the date that it was going to be released, same year but just a different. Yeah, date? when do you think it would have had the best chance for success? Oh, I think that that definitely would have been a summertime movie. It feels like a drive-in movie anyway. Yeah. So I I, oh, I, yeah. I think, th- yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely it. I mean, I think that obviously that was the whole point. They were trying, I know they call it Grindhouse, which has certain connotations as everyone, you know, that anyone uh, no, who listens that to our, our show. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean. It's the it, same but, reason why, uh. Herschel Gordon Lewis's The Gore Girl Girls. I forget, but it had a different title up north. Because up north, they wouldn't know what in the fuck a Google Girl is. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I know. Yeah, the Grindhouse would have been a much better summer release. I still don't think it would have done as well at the box office. It's. It. it, it the thing about it is, and this is one thing that I think, as much as I love Quentin Tarantino and as much as I enjoy the films of Kevin Smith, I think those two are perfect examples of what happens when directors are just given full reign to do whatever the fuck they want. Like, some of those movies are just so self-indulgent. Like, of course, I like Grindhouse, but it's like, can you think of another director working today that could just go into a studio with a script like that and say, okay, so what we want to do is make a fake drive-in movie from the seventies and it's going to have all the film saturation and the rough cuts. And it's going to, it's going to look like shit, but, uh, but people are going to love it. And the studio's like, take my money. Like no other director could get away with that. You know? Well, Karen Kendall can't even do that anymore. Well, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, I mean, yeah, there are lots once of... Harvey Weinstein is gone, really, when <laughs> right? Weinstein went under and lost Miramax, that kind of fucked Tarantino, but, but it you know, really he... fucked Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, you know, I mean... Tarantino and Kevin Smith, well, Tarantino is still a big enough name that he, you know, he can take a movie idea to any studio and probably get the funding. Kevin Smith, on the other hand, um, he doesn't have that, uh, he doesn't have that kind of, he did monetize himself pretty well with like the comic book stores and the TV shows and the podcast. Yeah. He's, you know, he's kept the money coming in. Yeah. If he could have really pulled Cop Out off, but there's no way in hell anyone could have made that movie any good. No. Nope. Can you imagine how much money he could have made as a workman, work for hire director? Yeah, but, you know, and you know what? The thing about it is, um, as I think, I, I don't think that the movie itself was as bad as I mean it's it's not a, it's not a great movie for sure it's not his worst movie but it's not a great movie but I think more I think it was more of the experience of working um 
within the studio system that turned him off from the whole thing. And of course, he notoriously, according to interviews, did not get along with Bruce Willis. But um, that's not unusual. No one if you read can any- get along with Bruce Willis nowadays. That's why Bruce Willis is basically doing nothing but direct the video film because he's become yeah, he- a grouchy asshole. Yeah, you see that a lot. Now, you see a lot of interviews with directors who say that they just would never work with him again because he's just a pain in the ass. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. It's like, you you think about it like, I mean, some of these, some of these actors just get, I mean, it's not, it's not unheard of. This isn't a new thing, but some of these actors that just get so like, uh, you know, their heads just get so big, but it's like, you know, Bruce Willis, like, okay, you've been in a lot of movies, but have you been in a lot of good movies? Like, let's really, like, step back and look at it, you know? Like, it, you know, and that, like, on the other hand, I can say, I don't think Tom Cruise has been in a lot of good movies, but I'll give him points on the side that he does all of his own stunts. And some of the stunts that he does in those movies are pretty fucking spectacular. Like, he's got balls bigger than me to do shit like that. I get worried standing up off the couch. I'm not, there's no way I'm jumping out of a moving airplane at fucking, you know, thousand miles an hour onto the side of a fucking building or some shit. I was an actor. Why? Because if I was the main actor in the movie and I did a stunt like that and got hurt, that would fuck up the whole production. That would cost money. That would cost people not working for three weeks and not getting paid. But if, you know, stuntmen have their jobs, let them do it. Don't be a, you know, don't be a fucking cowboy. Well, I'm not saying it's the smartest thing. I'm just saying that I give him points on that side, even though he does have a big head and he's kind of, you know, he's got a big ego and he's kind of a fucking lunatic. But, you know, the fact that he does his own stunts gives him gives him credibility above Bruce Willis in my book. And, you know, no one ever complains about working with with. Tom Cruise, they don't say he's a total dick to work with, you know, but, yeah, you know, except for those people. he's got the stroke to, to basically ban you from Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. God powers, of, you know, like, get this don't man you, out of my town. <laughs> don't you mean the powers of Xenu? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the weirdest thing about territories. He takes all these difficult to work rappers like Bruce Willis, uh, John Travolta, you know, guys with bad reputation, and is able to pull good performances out of them and inspire loyalty. Do you think anyone else could call up like uh, Kurt Russell and say, Hey, I want you to do this movie, and it starts in about four weeks. And Kurt Russell will be like, okay. Yeah, I was thinking about that, actually, when I was watching uh, Death Proof the other day, like I mentioned before. Um, It really got me thinking. I was like, yeah, Kurt Russell is definitely one of those actors now that's just, like, if you think about it, 
Tarantino's got this deep roster of like amazing actors who are so loyal to him. I mean, you can get Brad Pitt and friggin' Johnny Depp or, you know, like, like, so, so like Tim Burton can get Johnny Depp whenever he wants, but that's fine. Cause no one else wants Johnny Depp, you know, <laughs> but well, you know, Kevin Smith if you can does, get, but then they do retarded movies like yoga hosers. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't even fucking go there, man. Yoga hosers, what a fucking piece of shit that movie is. Jesus Christ. I love Kevin Smith, but that is a fucking piece of shit movie, man. I don't know what he was thinking with that. And I I say that he as someone who actually smoking weed and trying to make his daughter into a star. Yeah. And I I actually liked Tusk. I didn't think Tusk was a bad movie. It was a little offbeat for no. you know. You know, but it wasn't it wasn't terrible. But fucking yoga hosers! Oh my gosh, man, that movie was terrible. Well, look that was just who terrible. The old man in Tusk. Like, yeah, there's only course. two good things about Red State and Tusk, and that's uh, what's his name. <laughs> yeah, good old Earl McGraw. <laughs> Parks, Michael Parks. The guy who played Earl M- Michael Parks, yeah. Yeah, Michael there's Park. There's some yeah. people, um, you know, they make the joke, you know, like there's some people I can just sit and read the poem book and I'd watch it for hours. Michael Park <laughs> was one of those guys. He just had that voice. You could just be like, okay, this whole movie's going to be Michael Park sitting in the chair telling a story. Okay. And like, like, before he got sick, he was cast in uh, – the Hateful Eight. Do you think he would have done better than? Uh, was he uh, going to play the Bruce Dern, Dern? in that Bruce role? Dern, yeah. Yeah, he was going to play the Bruce Dern role. You think he would have been better at it? I actually, I don't think so. I do. I love Michael Parks. I think he's great, but uh, I think Bruce Dern did a really good job in that role because he plays he plays it like. He's timid enough, you know, Bruce Dern plays it timid enough that you you can kind of feel, you know, it, it adds to the tension of the overall thing, especially since, you know, much earlier in the film um, when, uh, when, you know, the hangman gets all of his crew around him and he's like, one of these folks ain't what they seem, you know, and, and that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie. But yeah. you know right and away. And that whole you, scene where uh, uh, Samuel Jackson's the Marquise tells that story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, now Bruce Dern plays it timid. And, you know, I, I can't think of any role in his entire career where Michael Parks ever came off as timid. You know, he's he's even when he's yeah. not being a badass, he still seems kind of like a tough guy, you know. So I. I I, I think that was a not that it was a choice that Tarantino made, obviously, like you said, because uh, Michael Parks passed away. But uh, I don't know. I think Bruce Dern did really well in that. I, I, I like I like him in that role. Uh, but um, oh, you but know yeah. how we're talking about pacing and director's cuts. I love how the hate Blake makes fun of it. You know, yeah, just in the part where every other director would speed up the movie. Yeah, Samuel Jackson even mentioned it. Okay, let's just slow this down. Let's slow it way down. <laughs> right? 
But now I'm going to yeah. bring up a new segment that's going to come up whenever it is. And it is the first. about that online earlier today. Yeah. How fucking stupid is that? How many 50s horror films were about aliens from outer space or outer space? Yeah, right? I mean, that's kind of what led to the the modern... Uh, the modern sci-fi movie is all of those 50s, you know, uh, whatever you, you know, plant plant monsters from outer space, uh, you know, werewolves from outer space, lesbians from yeah. outer space. The, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah let's yeah. say a short list. They interpreted the quarter mask film, the quarter mask films, and just on and on and on and on. Yeah. She says, horror is about fear of the unknown. Space is space. We know what space is. That is complete and total bullshit. There are two places on, there are two places I never want to go. If you said, hey, Nate, do you want to go all the way as far down into the ocean as you could go? I'd say, fuck no. Hey, Nate, do you want to go up into outer space? Fuck no. I don't want to have anything to do with those things. You know why? Because there's too much unknown. I don't want, I, and, and I'm not interested in knowing, not firsthand. You, you can tell me about it when you get back, but I'm not, I'm not going. Yeah. Hey, Nate, you want to go to the nonstop Lord of the Rings director's cuts straight to <laughs> festival? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay well i guess you're right there are some other places you know that i would never want to go but space the but outer space and the ocean are two that I, I not that i don't mind i i like swimming in the ocean we you know we live right here on the coast yeah uh in you know so i don't mind swimming in the ocean but i only go out a little ways you know uh once you once yeah. you get out once you get out to that point in the ocean where everything that you can see in front of you is just black, I'm like, no thanks. <laughs> you know why? Because yeah, I've like, seen enough horror. Mm-hmm. I've seen enough horror movies Movie. to know that's yeah. where the monsters live. Mm-hmm. But uh, and plus, what would seventies or eighties horror been without alien? The yeah, exactly. That's that's what I was going to say is like how can you say that outer space has no place in horror 
when one of the most classic, you know, I, I don't care. You know, you, you can say it walks the line and any, anyone who knows cinema will tell you, but yeah, uh, alien yeah, is not just a, it's alien. That makes my head hurt that they say, yeah, no, it's definitely a, a horror monster film. monster explodes out of someone's stomach. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, the I, body I, killer robot. That's horror. <laughs> yep. I have often read uh, the criticism, which I agree with completely, that Alien is a haunted house movie set in outer space. Uh, you know? No, Alien is not a haunted house movie set in outer space. Event Horizon is a haunted house movie set in outer space. Well, if we're going to go there, then we might as well mention Solaris as well. I mean, the original yeah. Solaris, the original Solaris, not the one with, I mean, yeah, the George Clooney one was a remake oh, of the original. Both of them but, are pretty good, but the original one, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I agree. Event Horizon is definitely, uh, yeah, that Event Horizon is definitely, well, Event Horizon, I think, uh, walks the line between Alien and Solaris, Uh uh, I think it, it's kind of a it's kind of a blend of the of both movies. I think, uh, but it yeah. it's definitely just because of the time that it was made and released. I think it had uh, it had more of a more of that gore vibe that that '90s haunted house gore you know horror movie vibe. Yeah, but yeah, um, it's funny and you were talking what? about family. What? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it was just funny that you were talking about uh, Family Guy earlier, because remember, there's a Family Guy joke where uh, uh, Chris wants Meg to get her job back at the Quick Stop or Quickie Mart, whatever it is on Family Guy. I know it's not Quickie Mart. I am a Simpsons fan, I know. But uh, but Chris goes in and talks to the clerk, and he's like, I want you to give Meg her job back. And he's like, I can't do it. He's like, oh, really? I watched Event Horizon last night. You did? We have to talk about it. We have to talk about every scene. All right, we'll give Meg her job back. Okay, done. <laughs> and then they talk about the the part where, uh, oh, what's his name? Jack, uh, oh, I can't remember. He was a, he was a mediocre star in the 90s, but his, his head explodes in, in, uh, in Event Horizon. Remember? Jack? Yeah. What was that kid's name? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, though. But yeah, but anyway, what's funny that was my... is it may be realistic, but Event Horizon, what happens to him when his head explodes in the veins like that? That's really the most realistic of what would happen if your ass went into bare outer space in most movies. <laughs> right, I know, right? Like, and plus, yeah, what's everyone's other favorite horror action film of the 80s besides Alien. Horror action film? Predator? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Predator. Predator. Yeah, Predator. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, I, I can't remember if this is true or not, but I, 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 I was led to believe at some point that originally... Predator didn't have anything to do with aliens. It was, I think it originally started 
out as like uh like a like terrorists like they were they were fighting like a terrorist insurgent group or something but then somebody came I, well Shane Black obviously came along and was like hey I got a better idea let's let's do it with well, uh with no, aliens. Uh, Arnie wanted to do a horror film and he you won't believe who he originally got to write it write his horror film for him and this guy I'll tell you who it is and it would have been a hell of an idea. He, it would have had Arnie's character take some kind of steroids to keep himself a good athlete, but then the steroids take over his body, and he becomes a monster. And then he has to fight Rocky. No, and then he has to fight himself to try to get control of his body back while he kills people. <laughs> And Arnie's like, no, I wanted to kill the monster. Uh, yeah, even then, Arnie didn't want to deal with steroids. But guess who wrote that script for him? Um, can't guess. Stuart Gordon. Really? Yeah. Huh. Would, so you now, know it would Stuart, probably been good. Yeah. Was Stuart Gordon planning on directing it as well? Yeah. They had a deal for him yeah. to do that. It was right huh. after uh, uh, Reanimator and From the Reanimator. He took some, most of his, a lot of his ideas of what the, you know, for that movie and put it in the From Beyond. Right. Um, so, so imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger is a cross between the Pretorius and the character. But then they came up with the idea of, you know, they had this generic movie. It's like, Arnie goes in and fights terrorists in the jungle. Yeah. And then that's, see, that's what, they brought yeah. in Shane Black, and he's like, well, what if the alien, there was this big giant monster? Do you remember who played the uh, Predator first? Yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme. Damn, yeah. And I've seen pictures of him, and that wouldn't have worked. No, no. I, I agree totally. Yeah, they, they made a good choice when they when they dumped a Van Damme. And, and not only that, but, um, you know, the, the, the creepy thing about the predator, uh, not, not just above and above and beyond the way that the predator looks, uh, the movements are like, you know, so slinky and, and creepy, you know, if Van Damme had played the predator, he would have insisted on doing like, you know, karate moves and splits and it would have turned into like a farce more than an action, you know? Rather than the way that it played out, it would have just turned into a farce. It would yeah. be a it would be a joke. It'd be a joke of a movie. And the movie that uh, inspired Shane Black to write for the Predator as a hunter was, you've seen it. It came with from, uh, what is it? The one with the the disc or something that's little aliens that has a uh, Jack Palance in it. Oh, uh, you're not talking about it came. It came from beyond. No, um, 
Oh, yeah, I can't think of it. But you know what I mean. Meryl. The one where David Caruso gets killed in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, and I can't remember. Ironic is, who played the monster in that movie? Who played the alien hunter monster? Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> no, Kevin Peter Hall. Really? Who ended up being cast as the Predator when they rebooted it. Nice. Huh. Well, there's some trivia yeah, for you. And the look at that Predator that we love so much was basically uh, Stan Winston pulling something out of his ass with about a week to go. It's like they were going to just trash the whole film. You know, they filmed like two weeks. They'd seen how this skinny little Van Damme monster just didn't look good. Stan Winston well, created this, you know, the one that we love, this fish-like monster. Yeah. It's it's interesting to think about, you know, uh, obviously, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day because I've been watching the, uh, uh, the new Shudder uh, uh, version of the creep show TV show. Uh, I've yeah, been watching that. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I like, it's like any other anthology show. I like some of the episodes, other episodes. I'm just like, meh, but it does, it does bring me, it does bring to mind uh, what, what you're talking about right now. Like uh, it got me thinking a lot about uh, special effects artists and, you know, the practical effects artists that we like and love from all the older movies. And of course, everyone always, rem- Tom Savini always comes to the, you know, the top of your head as soon as you start thinking about, you know, classic horror flicks and practical effects. Um, but yeah, then you, then like, you know, like you just, you know, you start thinking about other, uh, like, you know, Greg Nicotero and some of these other guys that, are just they're just uh, just as Sam good as Winston, uh, yeah Baker. yeah and i think a lot of these guys kind of get left in the dust not because they're not as good but just because they're not they don't work as much or as they're not seen as much in the foreground like tom savini, tom savini has, was the rock star of uh the fx scene he was the you know, he was the rock star. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He For was sure. so big in the early 80s that the movie Nightmare, which he did do a tiny bit of work on, a.k.a. The Nightmare Never Ends, which is not <laughs> that bad a film, but Tom Savini worked on a couple of gags and stuff. But he was promoted as the fucking star in the movie, if you've ever seen the trailer for it. Yeah. From Tom Savini, the man who gave you the practical effects in Friday the 13th and Dawn of the Dead, comes his newest nightmare. And he had to sue to get them to take his name off the poster as the star of the movie. (laughs) Well, it's the same thing. Uh, uh, you know, you you remember the movie that he directed? I don't know if he directed more than one, but the only one I'm aware of is The Ripper. You know, uh, 
No, and, he directed Night of the Living Dead remake. That's the only movie. Oh, that was yeah, a film yeah. that he did as a favor. He said, I'll do your movie for free if you don't put my name as the star. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just uh, his all over the cover, and he's only in the movie for three minutes. And he right. has a pair of, like, weird-looking contact lenses and a cape. And he horribly, flowerly overacts. <laughs> uh, sheesh. But um, what's funny so, is this Creepshow reboot is the second attempt to do a Creepshow TV series. The first one came off a lot more successfully. But they couldn't get the name to the Creek Show. So Romero titled it Else in the Dark Side. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, you know what? And I hate to say this, but I don't there aren't there are not really that many episodes of Tales from the Dark Side that I care for. I I love Romero and I love those kind of anthology shows, but there's just there just are not that many episodes of Tales from the Dark Side that I care for. I, I just really I don't know. Uh, and Romero oh, there's himself. Too many. Holy shit! It's really the devil episode. <laughs> and and you know I mean not that I mind uh, cheap production values, but Romero himself has admitted that they had such a low budget on that show that they really they they were like spray painting cardboard boxes to make them look like rocks just for like a quick shot of an out, outside, you know, outdoor scene or something, you know? So yeah, they, they were definitely yeah. struggling with that, you know? Um, and it shows, yeah. you know, maybe Romero we didn't. Romero really wasn't that involved in it. He was supposed to direct a couple of episodes, but he's like, I'm busy trying to get Day of the Dead going here, folks. Right. So um, we're, we're heading into the home stretch here. And one thing that I was hoping we could talk about a little bit tonight, just before we go, um, have you seen, or are you interested in seeing Godzilla versus Kong? Oh, I've seen it. It's fun. Okay. Cool. Godzilla I have, has I have, an axe and he knows how to use it. I have, I have not yet I mean, seen it, King but Kong has an axe. Oh, yeah. it's, Fun. I, it's got some of the best fights in the series history. There's like uh, Kong knows Kung Fu now. <laughs> now, see, a, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of you know King uh, of Godzilla movies, it's just kaiju movies in general. But um, yeah, I'm a huge like King Kong versus Godzilla, the original King Kong versus Godzilla, which I know is all rubber suits yeah. and ape costumes. It's it's a ridiculous movie to watch, but it's my favorite of all the Godzilla movies. So I was really excited when I saw this updated version uh, about to be released. And the only reason I ask, ask you about it is because um, I didn't care much for the other Godzilla movie that they put out. And I didn't care much for the other King Kong movie that they put out. I was just kind of like, eh. like but I, Island? Yeah. It was all right, but I don't know. It didn't do much for me. I don't know. And, and you probably won't like Godzilla versus Kong because 
it's more like Costco Island with the monsters just tearing shit up. Yeah, well, no, I, mean, human I do factor like that. isn't as bad as it was in Godzilla King of the Monsters. God, did those bad human actors really drag that movie down. Yeah, well, not to mention with uh, King of the Monsters, Godzilla was only on screen for like, what, 10 minutes total throughout the entire yeah. movie? You know, yeah. and even when they were, you know, even when he was on, on camera, you could barely see him, you know, like all that smoke and fire and everything. I was just kind of like, eh. oh, yeah. you know, no, there's a lot more daylight fights. Yes. It's like, um, you know, um, these directors nowadays, it's like, uh, well, you, you mentioned earlier, like 300, you know. Uh, that, that's a perfect example. Uh, like, um, you know, these directors who are they're they're trying to balance style over substance, or they're trying to balance style and substance. But if they end up with more style than substance, but the movie still makes money, then when they come up with a sequel, you know, or a prequel or whatever, they just lean more into the style and they care less about the substance. That's that's. That's kind of well, that kind of annoys me. So, Pequel was all about Eva. What's her name? Uh, Eva Mendez? No. No, uh, I don't think Eva Mendez well, was just in. It's about her fighting. No, it's about Eva somebody, Eva Black or somebody. It's all about her tits because basically it's about her fighting tit topless throughout the whole movie. But also, she's <laughs> one of the most badass lines ever when he when she's fighting the main he, main hero at the end of the movie which yeah. is I hope you fight better than you fuck I'm like damn <laughs> you know oh uh, shit yeah but that's well, no, I just... why I love the raid and the raid the raid so much is that it is it was just bare bones action. A group of cops go in this tower full of bad guys. The bad guys are waiting for them. They have to fucking fight their way out. That seems to be a pretty uh like common trope in films nowadays. Uh you know, at, you know, it's funny, uh I was I just rewatched uh VFW yesterday and you and I are both big fans of that movie. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, I watched it again yesterday and, uh, it struck me for the first time. And this is, you know, I've watched it multiple times, but just yesterday, I just happened to be in the right mindset. And I was like, this movie takes about 20 minutes to get set up. And then once you're all set up, it's just action, 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 action for the rest of the movie. Like, and it, it does owe a nod to George Romero very similar to Night of the Living Dead. You know, it's the the people trapped in the, the VFW besieged by the quote-unquote zombies, but in this case, drug addicts, you know. But, but yeah, once they, yeah, once they get you all set, once they get you all set up, it's just action, 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 you know. And, uh, yeah, there are a lot of movies that are, that are kind of going toward, going into that action you know that 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 direction yeah. now well and, uh, you know. uh, i want to see it and i heard it's good as that one with bob odenkirk uh nobody yes That's yes the first, i want to uh 
John Wick exploitation film. John Wick exploitation. <laughs> Wick exploitation, yeah. No, I yeah, I, I definitely want to see know, that too. I've basically been, what it yeah. is is that they break into Bob Odenkirk's house to rob him. But it turns out that not only was he a hit he was a fucking badass hitman back in his life. So basically they pissed off someone who was basically one of the guys you don't want to fuck with fucking piss off. <laughs> yeah. Been a big fan of Bob Odenkirk since he was back on Mr. Show. I mean, he's he he came up as a stand-up comedian. Most people know him from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and he is moving into more of a into more of these serious roles, but you're right. This movie does have a very John Wick feel to it and it looks really fucking awesome and it's definitely on my to-do list as soon as I can get my hands on it. For sure. It looks great. I I haven't even seen it yet, and I'm already highly, highly recommending it. So, um, yeah. So that was one of my favorite parts of John Wick is when they're staying, he's standing with his son. He's like, who is this guy? He's nobody. You know who this fucking guy is? Ooh, <laughs> he walked into a fucking bar and he took a pencil, a fucking pencil and killed five fucking guys. <laughs> a fucking pencil. That's who you fucked with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. So I but was. Yeah. I was thinking... The best. Yeah. He, yeah. The best action films I've ever seen, and I do love the. Well, the Raid Two is kind of deep and complicated, but keep it simple, folks. You don't need. Like uh, the Marvel Two Thanos films with 200 mounts of plot. All you need to do is, these are the good guys. These are the bad guys. They're going to fucking kick each other's asses. Okay. Yeah, well, classic example of that, man. And anyone who hasn't seen this, then, you know, I don't know what the fuck you're doing with your life. But The Warriors, man. The Warriors. How 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 long does it take to set up the whole story? Yep, we're trying to get home, and we don't want you to get home. Boom. There you go. Yeah. And then you well, just the watch. the setup of The Warriors is, is that they think that they're like, Oh shit, every gang's gonna come after us because the truce is broken. What they don't know is that they think that the warriors will blame for the main murder, you know, the murder of the big gang leader. I love the scene in the middle of the movie and they're like, Did you hear what the, she said to us? What? She said we shot Cyrus. They think we shot Cyrus? Yeah. Then you see, basically see everyone turn white. Even the black guys are like, we're fucked. (laughs) But yeah, we're back. Thank you people for listening. And God, but this this new phone of mine and this new equipment of yours, it just runs smoother. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've been able to. Act- 
I've, I've been able to hear. I hope I sounded better. Yes, I've been able to hear every word you said tonight, which is unusual because a lot of times we get cut off. But I've been able to hear you the whole time, and uh, we can we can fool around with the with the uh, with the settings. I've 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 got mine set a particular way tonight, but I can make it louder or quieter so we can get a better recording yeah. sound. So. Yeah, we put it around with the settings, folks. We take it out for a dinner, and then after <laughs> the settings, we get them good and nice and drunk, and then bounce, boom, wow, boom, boom. I like to tune mine in we just sure. right, you know. <laughs> yeah. I tune mine it's in. like twisting those little things and just, uh. Oh, and the last the other things that I, I got stimulus and other t- other things, two things I want to mention real quick that I got with my money is I got the Blue Underground, NZL, Castellari, what they call the Bronx Warriors uh, trilogy set. Oh, cool. I haven't even seen that. It has uh, 1990 The Bronx Warriors, Escape from yep. the Bronx, and The New Barbarians. Nice. Huh. The New Barbarians has the most brutal way I've ever seen a guy drummed out of a gang ever. Yeah. To leave this gang, you must be raped. Yeah, so basically <laughs> he gets kicked out of the game by George Eastman fucking him in the ass. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it I depends on it. And, yeah, and the last one I got is basically the best film, and this is one that just came out on Blu-ray. It's the best film that Canon Films put out, in my opinion. Which is, what do you get if Akira Kurosawa and Eddie Bunker wrote a script? Akira Kurosawa and Eddie Bunker? Yeah. I don't know, man. I can't. I can't put that Venn diagram together in my head. Runaway Train with oh, uh, John Voight. Yeah. Yeah, you've seen that one, right? Oh, yeah, of course I've seen it. Yeah. Didn't you know that? That uh, the original script was written by Akira Kurosawa and Dialogue Polish was done by Eddie Bunker? I did not know that. Yeah. Now you understand why the dialogue is so goddamn good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? <laughs> Sweet. Like, do you think even yeah. Eddie Bunker could have wrote that speech that's in the middle of the movie that John Boyd talks to him about the itty bitty spot speech? <laughs> right? Where yeah. uh, he's I... like, basically, you know, maybe i going to fucking rob a bank, man. I'm going to go out there and money in my hip pocket for all these fucking fine women. He's like, no, <laughs> you know what you're going to do, youngster? You're going to get a fucking job. You're going to get a job, whatever a con- shitty convict can do. 
basically cleaning toilets or scraping out trays. And at the end of the week, you're going to collect your paycheck and when they're, you know, and he's like, I couldn't, you know, that's what you're going to do. And if you could do that, you could be the president of Chase Manhattan, which is basically <laughs> true. If you can fucking work a shit job and treat it like it was gold, that's how you fucking make it. Yeah, well, look at Eddie like Bunker, man. Like, Yeah. Yeah. We'll look at Quentin Tarantino. Where did he start at? Working in a video the... store. Yep. Where did Kevin Smith start at? I'm I'm I I don't really know for sure, but I'm gonna guess it was a convenience store. <laughs> yeah, working in a convenience <laughs> store and uh, <laughs> and running a video store at the same time for the guy. You know, if you really look at the guys who really made it, they all started out doing shit jobs. Yep. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. But. That's what I got as uh, basically my treats. I can't wait to watch Runaway Train again. It's actually (laughs) a decent version. It has uh, the trailer. A trailer from hell, uh, Eric Roberts commentary, just damn. <laughs> nice. Well, it looks like you got something to do for the rest of the night. Well, they don't come until tomorrow, but yeah, the trailer oh, oh. fucking take forever, you know. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, you got something to do for but, the rest of the night. I was yeah. going to say. I was gonna say I gotta yeah, go to bed because I gotta be I, I gotta be up at four o'clock in the morning for work, but I probably won't yeah. go to sleep anytime soon anyway. Yeah. Well, anyway, good night, and it's nice to be back. And thanks everyone for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. And hey, everybody, the the vaccinations are available, so go get them. Let's let's get let's yeah. get over this bullshit. <laughs> So, all right, we'll see you guys next week. Okay, goodbye, everybody. Good night.